everyone, this is Rob Z with Jess and Sarah. Welcome to the Why Are You Talking? What the <laughs> fuck was that? Sorry. She <laughs> just randomly <laughs> Suddenly there was sounds in the background, like there was like it was the printer. evil spirits. It's evil spirits. In the, the middle printer. of my intro here, this so is very sorry. important. Welcome to the Why Are You Talking podcast, the podcast where we talk and you listen because that's how podcasts work. And here are your hosts, Rob Z, Jess P, and Sarah. Hello everyone, this is Rob Z with Jess and Sarah. Welcome to the Why Are You Talking podcast, episode number 49. Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Time amazing. changes I don't know the rest of the words of that. It's like 9 o'clock and I have the giggles. <laughs> I have like the full-on sleepy sillies. <laughs> also, I thought we were going to be recording like we usually do and we were going to jump right into it, so I took my cold medicine like 30 minutes ago, oh, yes. thinking we were just about to record. This was actually my plan to stall long enough to make <laughs> and sure And then we were like, loopy. let's try a whole new recording setup. So if you get extra slow, we'll know why. <laughs> I'm stoned. Just like, I have a point, Jess got me fully addicted to Theraflu. I've developed an, a problem. It's a good drug. It's a great product, but it also, I want it when I'm not sick. Oh, yeah. I spent That's an weird. afternoon going to every Walgreens on this side of town because they didn't have it for a while. And I was, like, yelling at, like, young men who worked in the <laughs> pharmacy department. Like, why don't you have it? Like, Give me my drugs, you son up. of a bitch. Right. <laughs> yeah. They brought it back, probably because of you. Yes. And uh, it helps me sleep. <laughs> I mean, I think third food sounds, or tastes terrible. I mean, That's I hated really it That's not really the out. point. Well, you're not supposed to sip it. You really just kind of shoot it. Yeah, I stopped doing it in like a warm mug of therapy. I was gonna say, like, isn't it a tea though? Like, a it's hot a powder tea? that tastes. It's supposed mm. to taste like tea. Um, I've always had it hot, so I, I never. Yeah, I take it hot, but I just put it in hot water and let it dissolve, and then shoot Sarah it. Sarah takes it hot. <laughs> I did get an off-brand one that was berry flavored, and Ew. it was Ooh. fucked up. Well, I always make as little water as you can possibly have in it, and yeah. then I get it really, really hot. And then I just shoot it, and then it's hot, and it burns everything, and then I just go to sleep. And then you're done. I just yeah. scald my esophagus on the way down. It's I totally need that. Hard. I've been coughing for three weeks. There's like a dust storm in Mexico that's causing a lot of air problems, and cedar, Interesting. and... Yeah, cedar's always bad. It's just fucked up. So the reason I started this episode off with ch-ch-ch-ch-changes is because we're making some changes to the podcast. Those of you who pay close attention to us, which is like two people. Annie, what's up? <laughs> hey. Kim. Uh, you may have noticed that we've kind of gone to an every other week schedule, and there's good reason for that. And we want to actually try to take some time uh, to really dive into some topics. Uh, we want to do a little bit more experimentation with audio options to try to make the podcast sound a little bit better. Uh, today, we're actually all recording in the same room again for the first time in... Good Lord. Like six months Forever. at least, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this probably sounds a little bit different than the last episode you listened to. Um, and we're going to keep trying to test things out to see if we can get a really good sound. And, and uh, we're going to try some different recording op- uh, options and some different apps and things like that to see what gets the best sound. 
Um, yeah, so year one was really kind of, can we do this? And we did a full year. I think our anniversary was like last week, which was really exciting. Is it really? I think so. I had it written in my calendar. Um, but so we just kind of this year wanted to really focus on creating really good content and also really diving into some topics that were really important for our brands and things that we're working on now. So let us know what you think about the changes. Yeah. I mean, I was actually talking to somebody about uh, podcasting earlier today and I uh, was kind of talking to him about how we really want to, you know, a, a podcast usually for anybody else that does it is an uh, ancillary thing to something else that they're doing. You know, they have a website, they have a product that they sell, the podcast helps kind of support that. And right now we've just been doing the podcast, I'm like, we started just to be reasons to hang out, you know, and now I feel like we've kind of established it as a thing that we do. So now we're trying to figure out, okay, so what's next for the Why You're Talking podcast? So uh, Take it into the next level. That's right. So stay with us, and hopefully we'll be able to bring about some some cool new ideas, some different sounds, some more depth to the topics that we discuss, and uh, you know we'll see where we go from there. Also, I would say we're open to suggestions. Yeah. And, and anybody that listens to this podcast, you can feel free to email us at hello at whyareyoutalkingpodcast.com. Um, we're fully open to any input, good, bad, or ugly, whether there's things that you like, you dislike, um, some suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, we'd love to hear from you directly, or you can even leave reviews on iTunes and let us know what you think. That also helps us get found by other people and uh, helps get other listeners, which then is more feedback. And the whole loop continues. Yeah. By year three, we could be like a real bona fide podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So stick with us. Uh, every other week we'll be recording, and then the other week we'll be really diving into different things to do with the podcast. So hopefully it'll lead to good things. So this week, Rob, you're diving back into something we've kind of talked about before on the podcast, which is the strange Bermuda Triangle that is Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram. So why don't you go ahead and tell us why you're talking? Well, I actually read an article yesterday that Facebook in their Messenger app is actually starting to add facial recognition filters, just what well, they're calling them masks, um, just like Snapchat has. And they're going to be partnering with some big Hollywood films in the next year to try to use that as a promotional tool for the movie. So there's probably, you know, if there's a space movie, they'll have some space helmets. Or if there's, you know, a war movie, maybe there'll be war helmets. You know, so, something's going to tie into the um, the film. And So I know that Snapchat's kind of done that. What is different about Facebook doing this? Well, Facebook, they, they're doing a few different things. Um, they're allowing people to kind of layer over things. Um, I think that the biggest difference between this and what Snapchat does is the fact that it's actually within the messaging app. So it's not necessarily creating full-on stories like Snapchat does. It's a little bit more one-to-one messaging, but um, I could see them making it more story-based like, like Snapchat actually is. Um, the, 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 the reason this is kind of a big deal, uh, for there's two sides of it. One, Facebook has a much larger audience to promote this to, which makes that opportunity a lot more appealing to a film company that's spending millions on uh, advertising a movie. Um, but the, the, the second side of this that I think is really fascinating is, is they're, they're kind of almost cannibalizing what 
they're doing with Instagram and, and Instagram stories. And it's almost like they're competing with their own product that they paid $3 billion for a few years ago. So I kind of wanted to, I mean, we, we played a little with, played a, a little bit with it, you know, before we started recording. And I just kind of wanted to get an idea of what you guys think. I mean, is this something that you could see yourself using? I mean, I know neither of you really jumped onto the Snapchat board. Against uh, your strong suggestion yes. that we do. I still and, occasionally send you guys snaps. And many tutorials. Oh my God, do you? <laughs> I do. You I have, probably have like three. I haven't opened Snapchat since probably your birthday. Um, oh my, yeah, you yeah. definitely have some snaps for me. Did <laughs> <laughs> you go back and yeah, watch I got those. a. I got a snap from you the other day. I think I texted you to ask what we were talking about. Because I was like, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't have any young people around me to show me how to work this. Can you explain <laughs> it to me? Um, despite our grandma-like relationship with Snapchat. Uh, I don't think it's weird or unprecedented for a company to buy another company only to kind of hedge its growth. So, like, I don't think that Facebook buying Instagram and then maybe competing with Instagram stories is necessarily a weird thing for them to do. Because at the end of the day, it's all, you know, going to go to the same place. We talked about that a little bit with, like, when Walmart bought Jet.com and Mm -hmm. things like that. You know, at least they own it. So now, you know, maybe they – I'm sure there's a meeting room somewhere where they said, are we going to throw all this money into Instagram stories or are we going to invest it to make it into Facebook? And somebody somewhere said, you know, Facebook makes more sense. So, And it's been my experience with, I'm an avid Instagram user, and I don't think Instagram stories has taken off the way they expected it to. Actually, there have been some recent statistics that are showing that uh, they're getting more, <clears throat> excuse me, more opens and more engagement than Snapchat is. Really? Uh, yeah, I, just, I was just reading some some really interesting information uh, a couple so days ago. That seems surprising to me, but I mean, again, that's just maybe that's my... Well, there's also a bigger audience there. Um, it, they, they do show up pretty prominently mm-hmm. right at the top of your normal feed, whereas Snapchat, you, got, you know, it opens to the camera and you have to swipe over to stories. Um, so I can definitely see that. Plus, I've, I've seen a lot of people that I was kind of surprised they were doing Instagram stories. I was like, really? Like, and that's the same thing with Facebook. I've seen some people go Facebook Live, but I'm like... What? <laughs> yeah, I actually we were looking at that earlier today. There's some wackadoo Facebook live posts where I think people are just playing with the technology mm-hmm. just to do it. But yeah, I don't know. I've I've watched the um, sorry Instagram stories, but I don't interact with them because it's very unclear how to interact with them. Still, like for me, I've responded to a story before, but then I never got a response back. So it's like okay, now I'm just sending you a random message out of nowhere, and you don't know if it, what it's in regards to. Mm. Um, I wish that there was a way to like like the Instagram mm-hmm. story or something in a way that I'm already used to interacting with Instagram. And it's kind of sad because I'll be like on Facebook or even just in my photos and like be double tapping it. Like, why <laughs> isn't the heart coming up? <laughs> and um, it's very sad for everyone involved. But it would be cool if Instagram could integrate more of its own features. Um, as far as like Facebook, I can't imagine, first of all, ever doing Facebook Live. As a private citizen or a company, I mean, I guess maybe as a company, but I just, I never see that little notification to think, oh my God, I need to stop what I'm doing and get on there and watch what they're doing. It's the same thing with like Periscope. I deleted Periscope after like a week Mm because I got sick of the notifications. Like, I'm sorry that I don't have time at 11 o'clock in the morning to stop everything I'm doing and watch your video. Well, my interaction, I've actually been watching a lot of Facebook Live, but it's all been people in my nutrition and wellness community doing either, um, there's a couple people I'm following right now that are doing like a, 
a January, they did like either a whole 30 or some version of like a plan in January. And part of that plan was that every day they did almost like a video blog on Facebook Live kind of explaining how they felt that day and how it was going and, you know, their their progress. And so that was really interesting to keep up with in like a timeline, like knowing that I could log on and watch somebody's Facebook Live every day for 30 days while they were on this journey. And they do save, from what I'm understanding, you can go back and watch a Facebook yeah. Live oh, okay. yeah. in a way that Periscope, you kind of had to be like an active participant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that was harder because they were less able to like, Diane Sanfilippo of Balance Bites, which is probably one of my longest listened to podcasts, and I, I really like her stuff. Um, she does a Facebook Live every week, as does Michelle's Ham from Nom Nom Paleo, and they're almost always cooking demonstrations and when they were on Periscope I never watched them but I watch both of their posts every week now because I if I miss them because a lot of times she's in San Francisco if she's doing it at 4 30 her time or whatever in San Francisco like that's like the middle of my work day so I can't see it but I'll come home and watch it when I get home or when I'm at the gym and I think that's like you and I may have different experiences than than Jess like I, I have a lot of friends who are who would be considered marketing thought leaders that I'm friends with on Facebook. And they will actually schedule out. They'll say, hey, tomorrow at noon, I'm going to be doing a Q&A on X topic. And people will show up in droves because it's, it's an opportunity to, to, to have the ear of this person and ask them very specific questions <laughs> and actually get them to answer it right there on the air. And same thing, like there's, there's a lot of pages that I follow that should be doing Facebook Live because it would be an opportunity for them to really connect with people on Facebook. Because, I mean, organic reach has dropped dramatically mm-hmm. over the last couple oh, of years. And it's, and it's down to like the less than 5%. But if you can get one-on-one time with your page and customers who have liked your page or, you know, Facebook users that have liked your page, like that can be really, really valuable. And a lot of pages are not taking advantage of that yet. I think it would be really cool. Because so I think what I like, and I'm hearing what you guys are saying, I think what I like about the Instagram stories is even though they are temporary, I can log in at the end of the day and see everything that Daily Dougie posted that day. And for me, that's great. Not that he's the only one whose Instagram stories his are I really good though. Watch, but they are fantastic. By the way, this is this is a dog. This is a dog that I love very much. Um, but I know that at the end of the day, I can log in and go through all the people I want to see and see all their stories one right after another. I don't have to go search, see if they updated their Facebook page that day, see if it's in my feed, like. It's really simple. It's right there. What would be cool is if they could say, like, okay, the little circle says they have a story. By the way, they're live right now, and you can talk to them. Like, that would be great because, Mm. for me, I don't want to get a notification every time you go live, Rob. But if I go down there and I'm looking through stories and I see you're live, I'm more likely to interact with you. I don't know. And maybe it's, like, a personality thing, but I feel almost annoyed when I see, like, so-and-so's gone live. (laughs) <laughs> well, and that's your because it's almost like it's an expectation. It's like, drop everything you're doing. Right. And it's like, no. I'm and I'm like, no. I think it's just like the rebel side of me that's like, I'm busy. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think it's really important to try to plan it a little bit more right. rather than just going live at some random moment while you're walking through the parking lot at a grocery store. You know, say like, hey... I'm going to be going live. I'm going to be talking about this thing. Yeah, at this time. And And then promo it a little. Yeah, and then it becomes like an expectation. And you might actually be able to build a pretty solid audience. Because especially if you're doing it among friends and you have some people in your Facebook friends who are maybe also colleagues or, you know, people who just may be interested in in things that you're going to talk about that are not just like your mom, you know. And that, that I think, is a really good opportunity for people to kind of build a personal brand awareness. I, I... 
I feel like I've kind of dropped the ball on that. Like I should be trying to use that a little bit more to build up my personal brand because I do have a lot of, of, of colleagues on, on Facebook. So um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But um, Well, and we got a little bit off topic here. Yeah, we're not talking yeah. about Facebook Live. We're not talking about Instagram <laughs> stories. We were talking about the new um, Facebook Messenger yeah. features. So, and they're pushing this Facebook Messenger stuff a lot right, right now. I mean, they're they're rolling out these these bots. They're rolling out these advertising campaigns where if you've interacted with a brand, they can then advertise to you through Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. in ways that feel a little bit more resonant because you've already had a conversation with them. And uh, there's a company that I actually applied to who's doing this, and they were telling me, I mean, the, the results are pretty spectacular, well, especially compared to regular ads. It was funny because when they first came out with those bots, I remember we sat down and had a night where we played with them. <laughs> and, we did it on the podcast. Right. Yeah. And I haven't interacted with them since then, but every once in a while, I'll just get one that's like, random message from that bot. And I get hey, them from Poncho, the Poncho, weather fox. Yeah. Yeah. But he's fucking hilarious because I downloaded it because of that episode and just kind of never deleted it. But I'll be like in the middle of a storm that's been going on for 15 <laughs> minutes and Poncho will like text me. I'll get a notification from him and I'll be like, heads up. It's about to start raining in your area. <laughs> He's always like 20 minutes behind schedule on like major, major weather events. Yeah. So they need to tweak that that algorithm a little bit. But it's it's... He's always there for me. Like, if I'm trapped in a really bad thunderstorm or I'm driving or something, I'll hear a little boop, and I'll think, <laughs> it's nope. about to start raining, it and it always makes me laugh. There's about a 20% chance <laughs> yeah, it's like already raining. I have ESPN. <laughs> yeah, so he's, uh, what was her name? Karen. He's the Karen of weather prediction. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, uh, the other part that I want to talk about was kind of the ethics of just blatantly copying another brand, another company's entire product. Yeah, I mean, I feel like before the tech scene, I mean, imagine if, you know, let's go backwards to like Chevy and, and Ford or something like that. If Chevy literally came out with a car that looked exactly like and had every single feature that the Ford did. I feel like 20 years ago, people would have been like, really? You're just going to rip off a Chevy, you know, or you're going to rip off a Ford? Like, but now that's um, like, nobody's really giving Facebook flack for it. They're like, oh yeah, cool. Now we have that over here instead of on Snapchat. It's different though to patent specific products, like a specific shape of a car door, a Mm -hmm. specific, you know, whatever. I don't know enough about cars to use your metaphor, but you know (laughs) what I mean. Like to take a a tangible product and patent it and then say that nobody else can copy that exact product and make Mm -hmm. an exact replica of it. But with tech, it's so much more ambiguous because these fields are growing so heavily and there's so much, there's so much job creation and so much, you know, money surrounded on the importance of these industries continuing to grow that I think, that's why nobody is like, I think that's why all of these companies have come together and like aren't just fighting constantly on cease and desist and why Snapchat isn't really throwing a huge fit about this because realistically, like, it's a really growing field. It's, a, it's an arms race. Like, people have to, you know, that's the only way this field's going to advance. Well, and then also, you know, like, they could be writing this in a totally different language. I mean, Facebook doesn't use the same thing as Instagram, doesn't use the same thing as Snapchat. So right. even if they are writing the exact same code, it's probably not the exact same code. When a lot it of it comes from acquisition, same. actually. Right. Yeah. That too. Plus, like, in a lot of ways, they're really not fighting for the same market. I mean, think about Facebook. Who's on Facebook? Your fucking PE teacher <laughs> from middle school's on Facebook. 
your great aunt who you haven't seen in four, 14 years is on Facebook. You know, like there are a lot of different people on Facebook, whereas Instagram is where you're more likely to interact with brands. Snapchat's where you're more likely to interact with your friends, like on a daily basis. So I feel like they have a different audience also that maybe that means that there's more space for this sort of you know, reiterations mm-hmm. of yeah. these technologies. I can go with that. And also, I mean, I think people, obviously they use them differently, but like your time spend on these apps, like Facebook, I think people spend, you know, minutes and minutes and minutes on Facebook. Whereas people spend, you know, you go on Snapchat, you want it to be quick. You go on Instagram, you just want to scroll until you see the last post you saw and then you just want to move on. So I think these longer form messaging apps make more sense for Facebook than they do. No, if Twitter starts doing this shit. (laughs) Poor Twitter. So speaking of spending time on the internet... Jess and I have been spending a lot of time on the internet. All of our time. Watching porn. Yep. I mean, obviously. But aside from that, I mean, when, when we take porn, when we take breaks from porn. Porn breaks. <laughs> we're searching for... Hey, man, if you're going to be unemployed... <laughs> Does anyone ever really take a break from porn? I mean... <laughs> it's all around us. It really is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jess and I have now both been unemployed for, you know, a... For, for me, it's been a solid almost two and a half months. For you, it's been, what, a month uh, and a half, right? A month and a half, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of wanted to talk about what's, what the current climate is and what it's like to be searching for a job, you know, in this digital space and kind of what's different, what's interesting, what's worse. Uh, so, Jess, I want to go ahead and let you kick this one off. Well, one thing I noticed, and I, I've, I would like to say that I feel like I'm very employable. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm mid-level in my field and I have a lot of good experience I interview well um this is the longest I've ever been unemployed and I think a lot of it is due to timing because I was laid off right before Christmas like the week before Christmas. like the week before Christmas and I don't know if you guys know this but the two weeks before and the three weeks after Christmas nobody does shit uh recruiters aren't working people aren't hiring there's just literally nothing going on so that whole like month period almost it's almost been a full month there was just no jobs ever being posted and the ones that you were replying to nobody was responding because they were off skiing and everyone i talked to when i told them the time and they were like oh that's bad yeah nobody was looking for candidates at that point yeah so it was um it's been an interesting experience this is the longest i've been unemployed um but also and maybe you feel the same way rob but i feel like the last time i was unemployed it was very different i didn't work with recruiters I mostly looked on Craigslist, to be honest, and maybe that was because I didn't really understand where else to look, but I feel like this time around, there are a lot more, not only recruiters, I think I'm working with five recruiters right now, um, but also the websites that I'm going to every day, they are a lot more um, populated with opportunities. Do you feel like that? I mean, I know it's been probably about the same amount of time since you were looking. Yeah, I mean, it's... The problem is, is it's almost becoming so easy to apply for jobs through these job sites that it's inundating those who are hiring. And so in order to really get the attention, you have to do something different or you have to have a referral from either a recruiter or an agency or a personal connection. Actually, most of the ones that I've been able to get into for interviews have been through personal connections and and 
you know, conversations that were started with another person who said, oh, hey, I know this person or, oh, hey, I saw this. Do you want me to put you in contact with somebody? Um, it's really weird for me because this is actually the first time I've ever been unemployed, actually, uh, looking for jobs. This is the first time I've, this is actually the first time I've ever lost a job in my life. And, um, so for me, it's weird to, to be looking for jobs and not having a job. Um, it has helped me a little bit because then it gives me more time to really focus on writing good cover letters and, um, I was just given a project to work on that's going to be a hefty project. It's a, it's a pretty big blog post. Um, luckily, this, this company actually pays me for doing it, which I was, that speaks to the integrity right there of the company. But, you know, it, it's it's weird because I've just, I almost feel like I don't know what to do with myself. And so I've been trying to fill as much time as possible with with applying for jobs. But it's also just when you've applied to so many of them, you just start to feel so defeated. Yeah, I mean, I had a day where I got probably four rejection emails in the same morning, and I was just like, all right, the rest of the fucking day, I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to watch TV because this has just been a bad day. I think I went to yoga. I think that was like all I did that day. Yeah, by like 10.30, you had called me and you were like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. This is the end of today. But you know, the other side of that is I've had to use those sites for hiring purposes in the past. And you're absolutely right. Recruiters are good because they're at least a real human person. Um, the downside to being to working with recruiters as a employer is that a lot of times they're just kind of cold calling you when you're not really hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a recruiter call me today asking for a position at my company that's like, we have one employee. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had to explain it. I was like, that's, that doesn't make, tell them they don't want it. All right. <laughs> if I die, they'll call you. And then they get my job. But like, and they were just kind of cold calling, you know, looking for yeah. one, you know, whatever. Somebody, I guess, is working with a recruiter that wants, their client wants to do events. So they just called every, it's probably you. They probably <laughs> just called every event company in town and or every venue. But when you work with like Indeed, you get so many responses and there's no way to filter them. But, like, when I I was posting for an unpaid internship position, which means they have to be students. And I wrote probably three times on there, must be student, must be receiving credit, do not apply if this is not you. And I still got probably, I mean, I'm not kidding, over the 16 days that I had my ad running, I think, like, 400 emails. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had to open a whole other thing and filter everything that came in from Indeed to that because I, like, emotionally could not handle what it was doing in my inbox. And so, like, one hour out of every two days, I'd go in and I'd flip through them. But there's no way I could read all of them. And so many of them were people who didn't make sense, who were just cold applying for positions. For anything and everything. But they were looking for... I mean, they would say in the cover letter, they'd send me like, I know this is an internship, but I'm actually looking for a full-time 40 plus hour a week position with benefits. And I'm a 41 year old woman. And I'm like, well, then why the F? You You know what I mean? And my time. And also our time, people that are looking for jobs. Like when you're creating that influx of emails for a person who's hiring, what if the person who is perfect for the job doesn't get seen? I'm for sure that month? happened. Mm-hmm. I'm sure because there, I didn't fair. have time again as the only employee of the company I work for 
to dig through 400 emails oh, absolutely. of people looking for a position that isn't available and that I didn't imply was available. I'm sure there was some sweet girl in there who's 21 and is an events marketing person at Texas State who would have been perfectly happy to be my my intern for a class credit, but how the hell am I supposed right. to, you know what I mean? And it's just, there's no safeguard against that. And all of the ZipRecruiter and Indeed and all of those sites have that problem. Well, I actually read a really interesting article um, about a, a guy who, who said some of the ways that he's got some of his best positions were through very unconventional means. So, you know, he offered to work for free or he would come up with, a pl- he would find like a problem that that business needed solved and come up with a plan and then try to find a way to submit that to someone else in the company. Um, he's called or like emailed a CEO of a company and asked him out for coffee and just had conversations about the industry in general and not specifically about the job. And then later emailed him with some ideas that were r- related to the position. And then that kind of gave him an in. So, I mean, that's the kind of, like, you almost have to do those kind of things now. Like, you can't just fire out a bunch of resumes and cover letters to, you know, people that are, that for a job that's been on the website for 16 days, because chances are you're just going to be a drop in the bucket. Well, at the very least, you have to read the, I mean, I think you should use Indeed as, like, window shopping, mm-hmm. the same way people use, you know, Airbnb to, like, look up places and then they call them directly and... Things like that because I think it makes it makes you stand out more. If you're applying through Indeed, then your website's your or your application is coming into that person's inbox as an Indeed application. And if it's getting mixed in with that many other emails, it's likely to get lost. But if people would they would and this happened with, with our listing too, they would go on Indeed, they'd see the listing, then they'd go to the website and contact me directly through the contact site on the website and say, Hey, I noticed that you'd posted on this other forum that you were hiring and I just wanted to learn more about the position and I responded to every single one of those because mm-hmm. they came into my inbox like a client inquiry. Another thing I experienced was um, this company, really cute company, I actually interviewed with them on Monday. Um, their application process was very different. It wasn't just like click here to apply, upload your resume, re paste your resume from LinkedIn. Like, it wasn't like that. It was very, like, you had to think about it. And it took me a really long time to finish. I think it took me to, like, two hours to finish the application process. But it was very thoughtful. And I think it says more about people who apply through those sorts of applications. And also, you get a better sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who doesn't really want the job is not going to spend the time to think about what kind of car they are. And really articulate it in a way that you think, you know, that was one of the questions, what kind of car would you be and why? I mean, somebody who's just like, I'm just shooting out a million, you know, resumes isn't going to spend the time on that. And even though it took a lot of my time, I feel like even though, even if I don't get that job, which I'll know by the end of the week, it still gives me some things to think about that I can use in my next cover letter or my next job application. Um, So that's one thing I think was, it's been really interesting learning about this job application process. I've been coming across a lot that the the final question on the application process is in 150 characters or less, tell right. us what makes you unique. Yeah. And I actually get hung up on that question a lot because it's, it's hard. like, yeah, well, first of all, like I, 
Like I, I'm, you guys know I'm really hard on myself. So like I me, mean, I'm just like, oh no, I'm just, just normal. I'm not. You shouldn't hire me. Hire <laughs> <Right>? Steve. <laughs> but so I've I've started trying to take more kind of fun, unique pro. Basically, I've tried to use that as an opportunity to show my personality. Um, and I've done it in a few ways. I've, I've done it by quoting someone who gave me a LinkedIn recommendation. And I said, well, according to so-and-so, who's a big name in the industry, um, this is why I would stand out. Or for one company that actually ended up getting me an interview, uh, I actually created a video and I put it, put it on my website. And I created like a small hello page for specifically for that company. And I said like, hey, that's, you're looking for this. Well, here's this video on why like, I think I'd be a great candidate for it. And that ended up getting me an interview, which was cool. Um, I actually made it most of the way through the process and just didn't get it's chosen. It's almost like online dating. It's yeah. like you, you're yeah. having to like curate this You can't just send a dick pic. Not anymore. It doesn't get you the job. Not in 2017. <laughs> That's all I've been sending on my applications. Damn it. <laughs> Jess is like the fuck boy of... <laughs> can't show him the goods in the first text. <laughs> You gotta get through like the describe your ideal date, must love dogs. You gotta post ten pictures of you at like restaurants with friends, mm-hmm. um, with a giant fish, and then dick pic. Uh, dick pic's like third interview. Um, that's the like job hunting equivalent of like what are your salary expectations? Right. Uh, <laughs> this big. <laughs> Uh, Just a picture of my wallet, like really stacked. (laughs) I want this. This is what I want. (laughs) One thing I have learned through this process also, which I never knew, and, and I don't know if this is a new thing or even if it's a good thing. I've gotten this advice multiple times. But is when they ask, what are your salary expectations? You're not supposed to tell them. Oh, my God. I took that advice so to heart. I did too. I had no idea. I've been telling people how much money I think I should make for years and it's probably really been stunting my Yeah, what ability. did she you know she said specifically uh, the the person I'm thinking of was in that the class we took and she said that she always says I expect to be paid what is commiserate with a fair industry standard. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a bomb answer. Like I think that's great or just putting like Zero dollars. Uh, yeah, something, or $1. something where the person in HR knows that you're intentionally mm-hmm. leaving it blank because yeah. it's a discussion you want to have at a later time. Which is great. I've also had a couple of, like, I've gotten far in the process, and then they offered me the job, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I am too expensive for you. And just, like, that always had sucks to say, like, too. sorry, not sorry. It does suck, because then you're like, wow, I really, <laughs> I really like this job. You and kind of fall for people, and you fall for the opportunity mm-hmm. a little, and then... Right. And that happened to me, and I got, it was at a point where, like, I needed to make more than twice what they were offering, and I just had to say I'm sorry, because I'm not going to try to negotiate my way to, you know, half plus more. I don't know how to do math, but yeah. you know, you know <laughs> what I mean. Skills. <laughs> you know other things, you guys. Yeah, I... I mean, if a range, she also suggested, you know, if they're insistent on yeah. a number, um, a range, a range yeah. is a good idea. Because then you're and not pigeonholed into a very specific number. It gives you a little bit of wiggle room both for them and for you. Well, it's really hard with like more creative fields like marketing, events, and wellness, like what right. I do, and design, like what you do. When you go on like, um, what is it, Glass? Glassdoor. Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. And you type in like whatever, if you like marketing. They'll give you like a median salary, but it might be completely. Well, no, they've they've really expanded it now, where you can actually put in all of your information. Like I've been in the industry for this many years, I have this much experience, um, I live in this area, and it'll it'll take all those into no, account. It it will, but if there's 
there's so many people with the title of, like, just for my example, mm. event coordinator. And some of them are event coordinators part-time that have maybe been doing it for 15 years, but it's not their full-time job, and right. maybe they only make $15,000 a year doing it. Right. And then some people are event coordinators for giant hotel firms and make $120,000 a year doing it. Uh, so it, I feel like the salary expectations set by that are harder to use. So setting a range makes more sense because you can't just go in there and be like, I want $120,000, bitch. And like, <laughs> and be like, glass door said, cause they're, they're <laughs> taking in salary input yeah. from such a wide breadth right. of sources. I feel like also in the tech industry, there's so many bullshit job titles that I'm, I'm the corporate CEO investor of financial snack development. Yeah. It's just like, well, okay. What is the median salary for that position? Yeah. Oh, $16,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with the word ninja or guru attached to it. I just oh, I'm like, so uh, over those. Maven, guru, uh, ninja. And, I mean, they, they, they just keep coming czar. up with new ones. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who has that title in their name, I'm like, you're being underpaid. Yes, you are. Definitely. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the beer in the break room because yeah. you're not making enough money. Yeah. <laughs> that keg makes more money than you do a week. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of, of, of being online and, and those kind of things, I mean, the, your social presence is something that you really have to take into account because chances are, and, and then not just your social presence, go, like you have to Google yourself because right. you have to know what those, like go in incognito mode and Google yourself because you have to know if someone else looks up your name, what are they going to find? Are they going to find articles you've written? Are they going to find angry tweets that you've written? Are they going to find some blog post you wrote 10 years ago where you were ranting about how much you hate your boss? I mean, you know, there's, there could be some things, some ghosts and some skeletons in your closet that may mm-hmm. come back to haunt you. Well, I'm lucky because there's an athlete with the same name as me. So I look really, really fit. But <laughs> one thing that I've noticed has been really, really hard this time around is there's a lot going on politically. And mm-hmm. I actually went through my Twitter and started deleting things just thinking on the off chance that a potential employer was reading some of the tweets I was doing. And they weren't bad tweets, but they're very political. It's very clear how I lean. Opinions, yeah. And, you know, although I might not necessarily want to jump right into a relationship, work relationship with somebody who's very adamant about being the opposite beliefs as me, um, I definitely don't want that to keep me from getting an opportunity. Yeah. So I thought it was weird how you started that Twitter battle with Dippin' Dots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, that was, it's, how, how long have you been going on with that, Jess? I mean, it's just, we get it. You don't like it. Hey, them. it is not the ice cream of the future, you guys. It's the hashtag ice cream of the past. <laughs> the United <laughs> States press secretary, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's, I think that's kind of where we are right now. I mean, and this is something we wanted to kind of touch on, too, is like, it's just so exhausting to be online. I mean, for for Jess and I, you know, we we're, we're online all day trying to find these jobs, and then the reprieve used to be go on social media and puck around for a little bit, but now that's become so exhausting. So what's the lie on that though? Because like, there's that Planned Parenthood happy hour, and I listed myself as going, and I'm sure anybody who looked me up on Facebook, I don't know, can they see? Uh, that should only be available for friends to your friends. only. Yeah. Um, what events you're going to? Yeah, should be. I think you can you can change that. In your yeah, settings, it actually. depends on your privacy your settings. settings. Yeah. That labyrinth of a mystery. <laughs> really but is. you know, if you're on the market, you might want to have something like Twitter public because mm-hmm. you know, like Rob, he tweets a lot about industry stuff, and that's kind of the brand he's. And I write for blog himself. posts and I share them on right. Twitter, and I want that to be seen. But you also still write political things or retweet mm-hmm. political things. Um, I don't really use mine as a brand builder so much as just kind of like 
random thoughts I have about my dog in the middle of the day. Um, but <laughs> Something I, to do when you should be sleeping. Exactly. Um, but I do follow a lot of political accounts, and I like having a public account. I like being able to interact with people in a way that maybe I couldn't if I had a private account. Mm-hmm. Politics is the only reason I use Twitter. I, Twitter, when the debates are on or when an election's happening, is really, like, the, the only time I interact with it. I don't tweet a lot outside of that. But I like to jump on and and be a part of, like, bigger political things. Mm-hmm. But I could see, yeah, it'd be hard, especially in the tumultuous political climate that we've got right now. You know, I, it's, it's a hard line for me because, like, now that I'm older and I have pretty defined political beliefs and political leanings, like, if somebody doesn't want to hire me because I went on Twitter and said forcing people to register their religion is wrong and I don't believe in it. And I said it in an articulate, you know, respectful way, but I was just clear on my stance, then I probably don't need to work for that person. Or if I'm like, hey, I donated to Planned Parenthood today, you can too if you're so inclined and shared a link. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't just like insane about it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if I wasn't like, I made a homemade vagina hat and here's a picture of me in it and like, you know, something like that, then, you know, and they were like, well she's one of those crazy liberals, (laughs) then, you know, that's not the right fit for me anyway. But It's like what I told my dad when he asked me about my tattoo and getting a job. I was like, I don't want to work for somebody that minds that I have a tattoo. Yeah. I'm not going to hide the fact that I have a tattoo. And you can get away with that a lot more in the career. Jess's tattoo is an inch and a half black ampersand (laughs) that she and I both have matching on our wrists. It's not like a sleeve. It's right. not like you have a... Yeah, it's not... It's like you have naked ladies in skulls. If, all I had a, yeah. if I had a vagina that said, donate to Planned Parenthood on my arm, I might hide that. <laughs> or you'd work for Planned Parenthood. Right. Um, um, but, it's, but I think that's also becoming a bit more uh, accepted in, in the culture, especially... I mean, startups have really changed the game in terms of, yeah. of what kind of hiring expectations people have. Well, and we talked about that when we got these tattoos. Like, I'm never going to work for a company that's like, you have to cover that up. Yeah. Like, I just... Because I if I'm in that situation that I already hate my job mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm already looking for Gosh, I, I know so many marketers who who do have sleeves and who do have a, a ton of tattoos yeah. and I mean it's it's I mean that's just if, if I were like a doctor or a lawyer I can understand that that kind of mindset being there but in these creative and event-based industries that we're in uh I, I don't I don't I think we're not going to go backwards so would you say that you know, political leanings on social media kind of fall in that same vein? No. Do you think? No, no I, I could, I mean, especially once you get higher up in the chain, you know, you may have a, a pretty liberal startup, but the CEO <laughs> may still be very Republican just based on, you know, their their stances on small business and, and you know, how they treat business in general. Uh, I mean, you see, you see both ends of the spectrum when you get to, like, the CEO and the, the C-suite mm-hmm. level. Uh, and you see some that are very liberal and very vocal about it, but then you also see some that are staunchly uh, conservative. And so I think you can't second-guess that when you get to that higher level. So, I mean, if you're applying for a job where you're getting, going to be answering to, like, a director, then you can probably get away with a lot of that stuff. But if you're, answer, if you're applying for a job where you're going to be answering to the CEO, CMO, CFO – then maybe you may want to kind of scale things back a little bit because I could see that coming back yeah. to haunt you. I did go back and kind of delete some things that were a little more <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. Um, but it is frustrating because 
this is a very important time. Mm -hmm. This isn't just Joe Bob being crazy on a random Thursday because he's upset Hillary Clinton's talking on the TV box. (laughs) This is a very intensive political situation, and I feel like everybody... It's unprecedented. It is unprecedented with an S. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I feel like to be silent right now because I'm worried about getting a job it is almost a betrayal of who I am. Right. And, you know, you, it, it may work in your favor, too. You may be getting interviewed by someone who looks at that and says, I appreciate her passion for what's going on right now. I appreciate the fact that she's not just remaining silent. She, she supports <coughs> some of these things that are very important, you know, going on right now. So it could actually work in your favor, too. I mean, it, it's a crapshoot, and it's... It's going to say a lot about the the job climate that you're going into and who you're going to be working for. It's just so funny. I remember a person that I worked for. I mean, this was probably like 15 years ago uh, when I was like a kid in high school, like first job, like hostess thing somewhere. And we were driving around and somebody came into the restaurant I worked at and handed out like these. You guys remember the W stickers with the the red circle and the Mm -hmm. cross through them? The good old uh, days. <laughs> I miss right? him. I miss him too. And my good friend and political ally, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> right? The hell? The hell's going on in my life. Mucho sad. We're in the upside down. Mucho sad. This is the upside down. Um, but I remember them handing those out, and I was like, all of, I don't know, 14 being like, fuck yeah, this is great. Dad will tell you. Um, little did I know. But she was like, oh, I can't take that. Or I'm, she was like, you can have mine. And I was like, I'll put it on my binder or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, you don't want one? Because I knew she was, you know, not conservative. And she was like, oh, no, it's just, you know, I have a, she was a, a server. And she also had a job at a legal company. And she was like, I can't have this on my car. Because if the people higher up in my company see it on my car, it might make them think less of me. And my mind was blown that, like, you can't, you know, I was it's, yeah. 15 years ago with bumper stickers and now yeah. it's right. It's tweets and Facebook <laughs> and all that. But it's the same principle that applies. It's like you park in a parking garage and what if you're walking through the parking garage and a coworker sees you get into a car with a bumper sticker that says something that they don't politically agree with and it colors the way that they view you for the yeah. rest of your working relationship. Right. I don't know. The good old well, days. before we fall into the downward spiral that is the current political situation, I think we're going to go ahead and cut things off here. Yeah, uh, We'll do that alone off air. <laughs> right? So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, do you know someone who's on the job search or you are yourself on the job search? And what is it like for you? What, what are you noticing? Are you kind of feeling this uh, desperate need to try to stand out among everybody else that's uh, dumping into the, the, the automated systems? Um, and... Have you been playing around with Facebook Messenger? Have you seen some of these new filters and stuff? Uh, are you using Facebook Live or do you give a shit about Facebook Live at all? We'd love to hear from you anywhere you find us. You can find us at whyareyoutalkingpodcast.com where you can read the blog post, check out these links, or leave us a comment. You can also find us on iTunes where you can subscribe or leave us a rating. Or on Instagram at whyareyoutalkingpodcast.com. Or you can use that ye old Twitter we were just talking about and tell us what you think in 140 characters at W-A-Y-T podcast. You can also listen to them subscribe on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash W-A-Y-T podcast. And until next time, where we're going to try to be happier, I'm Rob Z. I'm Jess. I'm Sarah. And this has been the Why Are You Talking podcast. I'm going to go call Lindsey Graham. Offer him some <laughs> <laughs> See what he's doing. <laughs>